Welcome to the NRL Fantasy Podcast brought to you by DoorDash. Round uh, 18 squads are here. My name is Chris Kennedy. I'm joined once again by Richie Kenzie, who is doing a stellar job standing in for Don Brock. Uh, Richie, thank you for being back here. Thanks, Chris. Good to uh, keep up the babysitting duties one more week and uh, lots of exciting stuff to talk through this week. A few more teams. A few more teams, a few more players, a bit more exciting stuff. Yeah, it was a bit of a, uh, a struggle last weekend. I think I finished up with, with most of us finished up with three or four players on the field. So if you're uh, yeah trying to go hard for overall, it was a, a nightmare round. But uh, yeah, plenty to get through uh, this week with all the reinforcements back. It kicks off um, pretty much the whole round up in uh, Queensland, obviously, with the situation in Sydney. It starts off on uh, Friday evening on the Gold Coast Seabus Super Stadium. Um, this one in its original location, the Titans, the home team hosting the Eels. Titans. Uh, they've named all their origin players, all three origin players who um, all three are actually named on the bench for Queensland. So I don't know how many minutes they'll be getting. They should be okay to back up. Uh, David Fafida comes back in. He uh, got suspended for one game uh, last start, but was able to serve that in origin. So he doesn't miss any club games. So he should be fresh and uh, ready to rip in uh, against the Eels. It's actually an unchanged 17 for the Gold Coast from their uh, their last start win. What have you got fantasy-wise? Yes, the uh, the Titans are a uh, quite an interesting sort of fantasy proposition um, well, this year and in particular at the moment. Um, you mentioned Fafita. Um, I suspect in this cleary-free environment we're going to have for at least the next few weeks, he's going to shape as a very popular captaincy option. Um, has been sort of rattling out around, I think, about 75 points on average, which puts him really in that upper, upper echelon. So, um you know, sad for him to miss Origin, but from a fantasy perspective, I think a lot of people are happy to have him um, back in the side. A mm. um, couple of others, um, probably the one who's actually keeping me awake at night um, as of round 16 is um, is uh, Tyrone Peachy, who appeared to play a very short-minute uh, bench hooker role last time around. Um, that culminated in the score of four when uh, he'd been going, I think, at about 48 or 49 points and was one of the... Um, seemed to be a set-and-forget centre option playing, you know, fairly big minutes at, um, you know, as a middle forward coming off the bench. So that's very concerning for owners like myself uh, and many, many others in the fantasy world. Um, it remains to be seen what, what happens this week. Um, that might have just been an anomaly. Um, so they're probably, I'd say they're probably the big two. Uh, Mo Fodawaka, um, I've actually picked up because I'm, I'm a big fan of his work rate um, and he can be a bit up and down, but assuming everything's okay post-Origin, he's um, I think he looms a good one for the finals if you haven't got him and you want to be different. Yeah, starting in the front row, you'd think uh, coming off the bench in Origin, probably looking around that half-hour spot, so should be okay to back up a couple of days later, assuming no injuries. So um, could be uh, reasonably smooth sailing for Mo Fodawaka. Just on Peachy, I mean, I, I've got him too, as a lot of people do. He's been one of the real premium fantasy centres uh, through the year playing that. Probably almost scores better off the bench than he does starting, but he comes on at that sort of roaming forward role, busts a lot of tackles. He's got a few tries. Um, huge outlier uh, in round uh, was it 16 his last start that four points he came on as a bench hooker the Titans were just running amok uh, against your Raiders and uh, he just really wasn't needed and he, he finally got on when Aaron Clark got a rest and he got on at uh, hooker which is his worst spot on the field I know hookers are generally a high scoring position but uh, Peachy relies so much on those runs and those busts and you know adding a, a bit of spark when he plays hooker he basically just distributes from dummy half and, and tackles and I think he made eight tackles and missed two and that was all he did and he's 20 odd minutes on field in that game so Bench hooker is his worst possible spot. I'm thinking against Parramatta, uh, they won't have it all their own way. Potentially, might uh, need to be called on a bit earlier, and you know could end up playing maybe 20 
covering Aaron Clark at hooker in another 2025 at a, a roaming forward role. So uh, maybe I'm just being uh, over-optimistic because I can't afford to be burning more trades on fantasy centres, but I'm hoping he uh, he's back to a bit more of his normal role this week. Yeah, I think a lot of people are. Um, also probably worth mentioning um, Jamal Fogarty as uh, coming off, I think, two scores in the 90s uh, in the last three rounds. So, um, you know, he's a very, very lively young, young kid. When things are going his way and when the, the Titans are pouring on points, um, he can be very, very good. Probably still quite young uh, and has that tendency to really kind of mix his scores. But um, from a fantasy perspective, that, that really high ceiling, I know, is something that appeals to a lot of people. So um, always want to keep an eye on. Yeah, he has a couple of boomers of late. The Eels team, um, pretty much smooth sailing for them as well. Reed Marnie comes back into the side. He's missed a month with a, a shoulder injury. A poorly timed one, it turned out, probably cost him a, uh, an origin debut in game two once Harry Grant was ruled out. But um, I was on a, uh, a media call Zoom with him uh, today and he was absolutely bursting at the seams to, to get back out there on the field. So um, big in for the Eels and potentially a point of difference option for the, the run home. Obviously not in too many fantasy sides at the moment after the, uh, the injury, but I was scoring pretty heavily earlier in the season um and uh isaiah papaliti who i uh would love to say i jumped on early for cheap but i paid top dollar for him and um promptly broke him for a few rounds but he's been back to peak form of later a three-round average well into the 80s so uh, he's been sensational yes i was worried you might have uh, put the mock on him but uh yeah he's well and truly bounced back and um yeah just his his work rates um he he basically i think the question around him if you were a very early adopter of um you, you've done extremely well um barring a couple of low sort of low scores the real question was was he going to keep out sort of um you know other guys in the side like your sean lanes etc and beat them for that starting spot and sort of get somewhere between 60 and 80 minutes regularly and the answer has been a resounding yes so far uh, so I, I think basically if you don't own him now, his uh, ability to, to bust tackles and, and rack up big scores consistently, I think he makes him an absolute must for run into the finals. Um, Mitch Moses, obviously uh, going to be playing Origin, um, see how he goes after that. But yep. he's, he had a real kind of quiet patch sort of mid-year fantasy-wise, but has I think bounced back to about a 75, 76 average last three. Uh, and that's the kind of numbers we want to see from you know him as, as uh, those of us who own him. Ryan Madison, probably the other one there as well, has had the concussion problems uh, and, and has a tendency to kind of mix his scoring. Um, he's probably one of those second row guys like um, Jason Tamalolo, who we'll talk about later, who are interesting prospects. In terms of pure average this year, they're not probably guys you want in your, your starting 17 come finals, but they're both just hitting a little bit of form and shape as good points of difference. So one to watch. Yeah, it's a good call on Moses. So the same media call I was on today, Dylan Brown. Uh, I mean, Eels have named Mitch Moses, and it's going to depend how he comes through Wednesday night. Dylan Brown didn't sound too optimistic that Moses was going to back up uh, two days after Origin having never done it before. They've got Jake Arthur named down there in the reserves list. So still um, certainly at least a chance that uh, Arthur ends up starting alongside Brown and Moses gets a rest. Like I said, it'll depend on how Origin pans out. I do have Moses, so crossing my fingers and toes that he comes through Wednesday unscathed and takes his place uh, on Friday. Second Friday game, the Seagulls and the Dragons. This has turned into a doubleheader. The game uh, will be played at Seabus Super Stadium. Seagulls also um, is going to be a trend through all the Origin-affected teams, but the Origin players named to back up. So Tom Travojevic at fullback and Cherry Evans uh, at halfback and Josh Schuster, a massive in, especially for those that have hold him, uh, held him sorry, in the uh, the back row. 
Yes, the uh, the Seagulls. They're a very interesting sort of team, um, you know, in real life footy and also fantasy wise. Um, when they seem to have um, Tom Tavoyevich and maybe slightly, slightly lesser extent Daily Cherry Evans, they're your kind of Valrona chocolate of, uh, of footy. You know, they're, they're excellent quality. Without those guys, they're more your worth as originals. They um, they just the, the difference between the two teams is quite remarkable. And um, having those two guys out last week were even enough to get my Raiders over the line, which is not been happening recently so um yeah. in a purely fantasy uh sense i think they're two guys you really i'd say most teams who are you know taking things seriously points wise and for finals need them in the side uh both averaging around i think um about 70 for Tavoyevich, maybe even a touch over now and cherry evans after a few sort of lumpy scores early in the season is um he's been delivering some big numbers uh, and I think it was mentioned in one of the NRL.com articles, but post-Origin uh, 1, he came out and had a, a whopping 120-odd score, and he's just he seems to have that kind of hunger at the moment, and he's partnering well with uh, Tavoyevic. So those two guys shape as the, the obvious ones from here. Yeah, it's Origin's interesting. Like you said, um, Cherry Evans backed up in superb form, bounced back from that Origin 1 disappointment. Um, 122, I think it ended up being in round 14. He had, uh, I reckon, I'm pretty sure that's the highest ever fantasy score by a player not to score a try. He had something like a mm. whopping number of busts and then just run metres, kick metres, try assists, scoring in, in every column, a real man of the match uh, performance. Trevojevic named, I'd be, you know, we all know that he's had his hamstring woes over the years and at the start of this year, he hasn't shown any sign of that since he's been back but gee he's such a weapon for Manly I can't imagine he's going to be risked in this sort of situation against a, a dragon side who we'll get to in a second who are missing a, a heap of players um, I know Manly kind of need to keep the, the winds rolling but if I was Desi you know Schuster back as well can sort of take on a bit more of a, a ball playing role and it's obviously a different style of player to Travojevic but I don't know if they're going to need to risk um, Turbo. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, really, the last few games and the ones to come, um, as you said, virtually all Origin players appear to be um, named at this point. Uh, the, the reality might be very, very different, especially if there's some some injuries, which we pray there's not. So it's going to be very much a week where you're going to have to keep an eye on the um, the late mail news coming into the, uh, the games on, on Friday and Saturday. Dragons team, bit of havoc wreaked by Paul Vaughan's barbecue. Vaughan himself uh, started at front row last time the Dragons played. He's been uh, dismissed from the club altogether. They've had a few of the, uh, well, all, all 12 other players uh, picked up a one-game ban, but they don't have to serve it at the same time just because it would penalise the, the rest of the players too much. So I think we've got three of them out this week, which is Phil Mayano, Dufty and uh, Alvaro. Um, the rest of them, which includes uh, Jack Bird, Jared Beale, Jack DeBell, and a couple of others all named at this point, along with, uh, once again, the Origin players, Ben Hunt and Tarek Sims, uh, both named uh, in fantasy terms. What do you reckon the talking points are? Yes, I think I saw in the, uh, just before we went to the to air, the um, uh, the team's article, which mentioned um, Ben Hunt, um, has been in scintillating form of late, but um, looks likely to have a pretty big workload for um, the Maroons coming up, so... Again, he's another one who I maybe wouldn't be predicting massive things or might find himself getting, you know, an early shower, even the uh, the dreaded rest. But he's been uh, excellent of late. Um, Dragons have got sort of a reasonable amount of um, fantasy relevance now. As you've said, there's going to be a handful of guys cycling out, having their one-game bans. I think um, while Bird's in this week, I think he might be out in the next week or two. Um Otherwise, uh, Andrew McCulloch is one that I know there's been a bit of cattle trading with McCulloch from what I've seen in leagues recently. Some have held him, some have sort of let him go. Um, Hookers haven't been as prominent this year, but he's been um, injury-free and very serviceable sort of 
you know, 50, 55 point player. So to me, if you've got him, he's one that you just, you keep the faith with. Um, you know, he's a good sort of lower end of your squad kind of player. Um, sort of maybe in that, in that Jaden Bradley kind of category, but um, yeah, they've, he's a pretty handy player. And um, yeah, I think Hunt is probably the other big one that I can see. Any, um, any other guys jumping out for you? No, they're the main ones. And like you said, keep an eye out for uh, Jack Bird, who's in a lot of teams, but going to be missing for a game in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, McCulloch, yeah, definitely a hold for me. He had a few weeks there where he was sort of getting a rest either side of half time, And it was sort of a strange one because Dragons didn't really have a logical dummy half elsewhere in the uh, the 17. They were sort of having to shoehorn players into different roles to, to cover it. But um, yeah, he's been playing pretty big minutes of late. Uh, so certainly someone I'd be looking to hold. Uh, Saturday footy kicks off uh, once again at Seabus Super Stadium. The Raiders up against the Sharks uh, home game for Canberra um, has been moved to the Gold Coast. Um, in fantasy terms, uh, White and Papali both named to back up uh, from Origin. So that uh, Matt Frawley drops out and uh, Dunamis Louie, who was injured last game, also drops out. Um, Xavier Savage is one that we sort of talked about a bit last week. A bit curious to see how he was going to go. Um, what did you make of his debut? I thought uh, I thought he was quite impressive at the back. Certainly a safe pair of hands and um, pretty quick across the turf as well. But didn't really get too involved once um, once the Raiders sort of attack ramped up. Yeah, it's sort of a funny one, actually. Um, as a Raiders fan, I was impressed with the debut, as you said, quite assured. Normally when the younger kind of live wire players actually kind of make a mark, particularly if they're, you know, at fullback like your Reese Walsh, it's actually when the going's good and there's there's tries to be scored and try assists to be had. He was sort of the opposite. He was, um, you know, reliable probably beyond his years in the opening half and then sort of drifted out of the game a bit as, um, you know, the points started to, um, to flow, which is, again, not something that's been said of the Raiders much of late. But... Um, the interesting thing about him is because of that uh, shenanigans with his uh, appearance, not appearance, um, earlier in the season, he's still actually at a base price despite scoring nearly 30 points in the weekend. I had a look. His break-even remains, I think, mid-20s. So if you want a cash down who's probably going to play the next, you know, three, four, maybe five weeks, um, he still looms a good one. Um, I think the real value for him is, and this is a big if, if you can hold that spot for the rest of the year and display Simonson. Um he, you really don't want too many red dots as you run out of trades in the last handful of rounds because I think, as we said before, even those sort of, you know, 20, 30 points from a guy who has to fill in in a spot in your 17 can be the difference between winning and losing a final. So there is a real risk that once Simonson's fit again, um, Savage will miss the last few rounds of the year. So it's a bit of a vexing one. He shapes as a good cash down now, but he mightn't be um, in the 17 in sort of a month's time. Yeah, I mean, it's still, even if Simonson does come back before the end of the season and takes the spot, by the time he does that, it's a point in the fantasy season where I think you really want a strong 17 and maybe a good 18th man and you're not sort of worried about what 19, 20, 21 are scoring and you're not really looking to, you know, to make money and, and make trades to, to generate cash. You're just basically looking to consolidate what you've got into your best possible 17 or 18. So um, mm. if you can free up a couple of hundred K now trading at someone who's not in your best 17 anyway um, and just have Savage there sitting in spot, you know, 18, 19, 20 as a backup, score and then he disappears in round sort of 23 or, or whatever it is that might not be the end of the world anyway yeah look i completely agree i mean i, I sort of say this some recency bias for me i've i have run out of trades in finals in the last few years and been reliant on some patchy scores but that, that's the truth of the matter you only get 17 guys scoring you probably need a handy 18th and 19th and if you've got you know a couple of guys that languishing at 20 and 21 um who aren't who aren't um playing in the last few rounds and you, you probably get away with it so i think it's a very fair point 
Yeah, true. The, the main fantasy-relevant guy in this side really is Corey Hadawita-Nida, who um, hasn't really been scoring that heavily of late. He's made a lot of cash this year since he came back into that starting side, but I think three of his last four scores below 50. He's had a few tries along the way with that really lighting up. I felt I watched in that game... Um, last week i felt like he was doing a lot of stuff he, he did have a few demerits that sort of hurt his his mm. final score but um you know i was sort of surprised that he was still sub 50 because he, he felt like he was busy yeah i think probably what we've had the last few weeks is what we probably expect from chn um he's made his money uh you're probably looking at a guy who's going to get you 45 to 50 points on the rig um which makes him you know very handy to have in that sort of you know as a bench player in your teams um, as you, you know, coming to the, the business end of the season, he does have a pretty good ceiling. Um, you know, he can bust out those games where he scores 70 or 80. So the, the very interesting thing about him, he's one of those guys who's probably going to be on the fringe of a lot of sides right at the end of the season. And we have, we will touch on Nathan Cleary a bit more, but to me, he shapes as one of those guys. If you're like a lot of people who have sold Cleary um, to sort of free up the cap space, he could be out another, you know, another month, even maybe longer. Uh, if he does come back in the last few rounds, someone like Harawira Naira, you want him to hold his value, you could potentially cash him down for the, you know, the best part of 400 grand, say, to a base pricer and, and get Cleary back. Um, that's where he kind of looms as an interesting prospect for me, probably more so than the fact that he's going to just be a handy sort of you know, 45, 50-point scorer. Yeah, yeah, all good points. Uh, they play the Sharks, who have the same 17 uh, that got the job done last week. Uh, from a fantasy point of view, there's not a whole lot there, I don't think, for, for coaches. Probably Sean Johnson is the main one, was one of the main buy-round targets. He got a reasonable score. Um, been going at sort of 60s uh, of late, getting plenty of kick meters. And uh, Jesse Ramian, who didn't get a huge score last start, but has been pretty reliable uh, other than the couple of games he's gone off injured uh, this year. I think you've pretty much said it all. They're, they're the two from the Sharks that I can see really who fit into that sort of fantasy relevant bracket. Um, Johnson looks like he's going to be a really handy player for the run home. Um, Ramey and I had a bit of a look. Um, his, his season low uninjured. He had an injury-related um, 13 or 14 points over and he only played 30 minutes earlier in the year. I think in the first round he missed the last 10 minutes of a game and scored, I think, 32, and that was his season low. So he, he's got a real tackle bust knack about him um, and – his bad games are sort of 40 points. So um, he really does look like one of the best centre options out there. Um, but otherwise, there's not too much more to say about the Sharks, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's move on. Second Saturday game, uh, home game for the Cowboys up there at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. They, again, have named their origin players to back up, which is Francis Molo, Val Holmes, and uh, the Hammer, Hammerso Tabuai Fido. Um, probably even less fantasy-relevant players to talk about than the Sharks. It's really just Tamalolo, and that's it. That is it, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of uh, players this year who you've been able to get at some point at a, at a really fabulous discount. So I'm thinking guys like um, Tedesco, obviously Payne Haas. And, you know, those guys are probably, you know, you'd say with a lot of confidence are going to bounce back to really big scores and it's just a matter of time. Um, Tamalolo has been a bit of a challenge this year because I think as we mentioned last week and has been mentioned by yourself and Don before, um, the minutes are there, just the, the work rate, maybe the energy levels and things were down. But he may have just snapped that trend with, I think, 50, 60 and 68 last week. That's his last three. Um, he's an absolute bargain now. It's, I, think I had a look. He's priced at 48, I think low 600, 627. Um, if you think he can get back to sort of that 60-odd average for the rest of the year, um, and you're looking for, you know, maybe you don't have the money to spend on someone who's cost eight fifty grand. 
you might be able to get sort of a, a bit of a cut price gem in Tamalolo. The big question, of course, is can you keep it up? Well, yeah, that is the question. Like you said, three sort of relatively reliable scores, but even those three scores haven't been, you know, they're not monsters. They're not, you know, 68 was pretty good, but there was a, a lot of points in that one run, the line break to set up a try, a few busts and a line break all in one hit. Um, you know, take that out and it's probably more like a, a 50s score again. So he's not really getting those um you know, monster halls that he, he used to get. Um, 58 minutes on the weekends, decent enough. But um, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not quite sold. But like you say, if you are, if you really need sort of a cut price guy who's probably going to be consistent, then he's one to look at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of teams are quite vanilla um, at this stage, and he shapes as a good sort of point of difference. But again, you would not be surprised to see him just turn in some sort of uh, mediocre 40 point scores and. Uh, quite a lot of that has to do with the Cowboys not just not being a you know a rampaging attacking side like maybe they have been in the past. Roosters team uh, again, Origin players name James Tedesco and Angus Crichton. Um, Teddy, I'd have to think, would be a, a candidate for a rest, um, depending on sort of how uh, Origin goes. He he can back up. Uh, I don't, as I recall, he didn't do it after Origin one, so maybe uh, Robbo's sort of given him his rest and he's going to back up after Origin three. But uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, but he and, and Crichton are really the two huge fantasy talking points in this team, so definitely one to watch the late mile on. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of us looking at our sort of teams now are thinking, oh, this is great. We've got a good squad and, you know, all the origin guys are named, but things it could all turn to tears quite quickly depending on the coach's yeah. whims and also maybe a few niggles. Um, yeah, I mean, they're the two. Um, as we mentioned before, you know, Tedesco was available at a really big bargain if you didn't start with him. Um, Crichton is just, you know, is a set and forget sort of guy. He can play um, second row mids. So, I think most teams should have them if they're um, if they're having a serious tilt. Anything else really worth talking about? I Sam Walker's still in a lot of teams, but I think probably the, the serious teams have mostly sold him um, by yeah. now. Virils, I think you might be an owner who's been maybe a touch yeah, underwhelming. True. A lot of tackles. Yeah, very underwhelming. I sort of uh, I jumped on him the week that he was finally named. Was it two weeks ago to start at hooker? Um, I think Marshke had been suspended and then come back and wasn't getting picked. And um, yeah, Drew Hutchinson I think was still out injured, and it was sort of it looked like finally it was his time. And yeah, he's just been underwhelming. He's scored. Um, he's got forty odd tackles both games, and he pretty much hasn't mm. scored a point outside of. That. I think he got twenty run meters in the first game, and it was absolutely just zeros across the board in all the other. Um, columns on the weekend just gone and there was 12 demerits to go with it so he's 40 tackles and he netted him uh, 28 points I think so um, yeah if he's not if he can't score tackles in any if, sorry if he can't score points in any fashion other than tackles and he's going to get to demerits as well it makes it very hard for him to score more than about um, 30 or, or low 30s so yeah not one I'd sort of be cancelling to rush out and buy but potentially a very very slow earn or slow burn money earner uh, for those of us that have already got him. Yep, no, I definitely agree with that. Storm v Knights, uh, another game in its original location uh, down there in Melbourne, the only non-Queensland game coming up this weekend uh, at Amy Park. Again, all Origin players named to uh, back up. Still a few players missing for the Storm, Harry Grant, Ryan Pappenhausen, those sort of guys, but all of your uh, your Finucans, your Addo Cars, your Welchers and Kafusis, um, all named uh, to back up from Origin. Um, Fantasy-wise, a few guys probably worth talking about. Jerome Hughes has been on a bit of a tear, even though he didn't uh, really light up uh, last start. Um, he's probably the uh, the main one. 
Yeah, I'll put my hand up for uh, not breaking Jerome, but certainly, um, yeah, putting some lead in the saddlebags. Um, 48 points, I think, myself and a lot of others out there, when they hopped on, decided he'd be a great captain option. Um, look, he's, he's been in incredible form before that. I think behind Cleary, he's been, I think he had about an eight or nine game run where he was averaging close to 80, just incredible figures. Um, and doing it all for the storm. So, look, you know, um, one swallow doesn't make a spring. I'd say um, you'll see him bounce back to sort of more like sixty-point scores, and and hopefully even higher for his owners. He's um, he's having a real breakout year. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, Nico Hines is one I'm deeply regretting selling a few weeks ago because um, mm. it's still all quite unclear with Ryan Pappenhausen, as I understand it. Um, you know, could be back next week, but there's a bit of bit of word, bit of mail out there that maybe, you know, he might be saved till closer to the the actual NRL finals. So, um, yeah, if you had more patience than me and held Nico Hines, 69 last week, um, he's just a he's a fantastic player to watch, you know, in, in real footy terms and also great because he has a tendency to rack up the fantasy points very quickly as well when he's um when he's in the mood. So um great one to have. Sort of Jerome Hughes, I think, has um overshadowed um his halves partner Cameron Munster somewhat this year. I mean a lot of people um, had Munster at the start of the year, but he's, um, yeah, I think it's, it hasn't really panned out how people have predicted. Munster's still a, a very good fantasy commodity, but um, yeah, just being outshone by the uh, the number seven. Yeah, a little bit of a, a run below the top tier halves. He's, he's missed a few games through injury and had a couple of poor scores. Munster, whereas Hughes has, since about round five, just been phenomenally consistent. Uh, Knights team, once again, uh, Origin players named, or I think that should be player because I'm pretty sure Pong is the only one actually uh, in action on Wednesday. Daniel Sofidi did his uh, did a rib injury uh, in round 16, put him out of Origin 3, but named to uh, return uh, after missing no club games in this one. Um, Ponga, I'm certainly very hopeful he'll back up. He's in my squad. He uh, scored in the 60s with a couple of tries last week, which was handy. Uh, what else have you got fantasy-wise? Not a whole lot with the Knights, to be honest. Um, I do have a little bit of Pong Envy not being an owner. Um, you know, his injury that lingered for a while had me quite worried. But at, at this point of the season, not only um, makes me feel um, very nervous when I see him lining up in a team against me because, you know, we all know how good he is. And, um, you know, if he, particularly against those kind of weaker teams where there's a bit of open space, he can just um, cut them to ribbons and, and rack up big fantasy scores. So I would not be surprised at all to see a few more of those in the coming weeks. Um, and he's another one a lot of people will be thinking, and uh, hopefully he backs up um, from origin. Um, look, not a heap more, as I said. Connor Watson still coming off the bench, probably going to be more of that sort of 45, 50-point um, player, but two very welcome tries for those of us who didn't sell him last week, and he, I think he ratcheted up 84. Um, week four last, I should say, his last score. And that's just about it. Mitchell Pierce, I've heard a few people talking about him as a left-field option. I mean, there are probably... Yeah. There are probably eight halves you could have who would be, you know, you know, serve you very well. He'd be at the lower end of that, but if you want to be different, he's in pretty good form. Yeah, he's been a fairly consistent fantasy score over the years, Mitch Pierce. But the way things are going at the moment with some of the other halves who are really dominating, and you know, even someone like Sean Johnson who's just so reliable with his base stats and his goal kicking, I think there's better options. And uh, Jaden Braley's the other one we didn't talk about, but um, yes. really just scores have tapered off in a big way. Shed a fair bit of cash in the last probably four or six rounds. I'm still persisting with him for now, but it's getting frustrating. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a hold for mine. Um, you know, there's not as many hookers in teams as there has been in the past. Obviously, there's, um, you know, Cameron Smith is not on the scene anymore. Um, there's a few others who are out of action. Um, so I think he's probably a hold for that reason largely. Um, Connor Watson obviously covers that position as well. But I think that's probably a reason why a lot of people haven't sold thus far because he's still one of the better options. His average probably flatters him a bit now after the last sort of six or seven games where he's been down on that, that early form. Um, the only other one for the Knights actually is Brody Jones. I know a few people um, picked him up as a cash cow. It really is a bit of a stick or twist week with Jones, I think, now. 12 points, um, his last fantasy score, that's completely um, brought his price rises to a um, shuddering halt. I think he I think he literally held his price from the game before. Uh, this week, the break-even number is high, and it looks very unlikely he'll achieve it off the bench. So... If you want to use a trade to probably make, you know, 140 grand down to a savage type who we've discussed before, um, this is the week probably to do it because he could shed 30 grand and then more in the next few weeks. Yeah, I'd just forgotten until you said that that I still have Brody Jones. I have a decision to make before the weekend. It's looking at his numbers now. He did scrape together a couple of grand uh, with that poor score just off a, a low break even. But um, what's he up to now? 26. So if he gets similar off the bench, he's going to lose cash um, this week. So, yeah, definitely a decision to make there for his, uh, his owners. Um, moving ahead to the Sunday games, we have 2 p.m. kickoff at Suncorp Stadium for this one. The Warriors, uh, the home team against the Panthers um, in February. Fantasy terms, uh, Josh Curran is uh, back. He was forced into isolation due to a, uh, a casual contact on a flight that he was on, but he's back on the bench. Um, Reese Walsh scored reasonably well, despite, I would say, not having his best game um, against the Sharks last week. And um, probably the, the biggest fantasy news isn't even in the 17. It's Torhu Harris, who's down there in jersey number uh, 22, who we thought might be out to around 21-22. But the fact that he's in the squad this week gives me confidence that even if he doesn't play in round 18, he could well play in round 19. Yeah, get the confetti out. So if you're a uh, Harris owner, that's really, really good news. Um, I'd say on balance of probabilities, given a lot of talk of him missing a month, he probably won't front up this week. But if he does, it's even better. Although, you know, you always dread the recurrence of an injury from too quick a return. But look, it's a great sign. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too much uh, more that we sort of didn't talk about last week. I saw um, Roger Tuovasa-Shek still capable of um, putting in some, you know, uh, great numbers on the wing. Um, Reese Walsh was probably the best of the um, likely captain options last week. I think 59 um, sort of shaded um, Harry Ranaras and a few of the other guys around, you know, I think Johnson about the same kind of score. So, yeah, maybe not the best game sort of um, in real life, but um, put up a decent score. And he's – I note that he's – I think he's up to the second most owned player in fantasy now. So um, he's in about a third of sides. Um, Tom Tavoyevich is now the runaway sort of leader in terms of ownership with um, – the mass exodus from Cleary, but yeah, Walsh is potentially still kind of good value. I, I, you know, he's, he's made a lot of his money. I wouldn't necessarily say buy him, but a lot of teams have him. Um, and he's, you know, even if he's not your best three fullbacks, he's great. Uh, if any of them have to sit out uh, and, and has a place in many teams, 17. Just the other one worth talking about, I've had a couple of questions on him in the past few weeks, is uh, Wade Egan, who's been scoring very heavily, um, average in the mid to high 60s over the past five or so rounds, a try in there uh, somewhere, very low ownership, um, you know, scoring well. That My concern with Wade Egan, other than that he hasn't really looked like scoring this well in the past, is that uh, Chad Townsend also down there next to Torhu Harris in the potential early comeback list. I was on a, a Zoom with, um, again, media op with um, Nathan Brown the other week and was asking him sort of what happens with 
the the acquisition of Chad Townsend and potentially Shinohara Estavita to come back from injury as well. Um, what happens with all their players once they're all available? And he, he sort of hinted that um, could end up with one of them on the bench and um, you know, a bit of job sharing with Wade Egan. So maybe a, a Nikarima goes to dummy half for a bit because he's you know Brown's been a bit worried all year about the lack of dummy half depth. So if you are considering jumping on Wade Egan, there is the possibility in the next week or two that he's going to start losing some minutes if another playmaker comes back. Yeah, I think that's look. I think that's that's right. Um, the the only other one was uh, Matt Lodge. I was just quickly sort of scanning my screens here. Um, he was. I think we discussed last week, sort of making him a bit of a uh, a bit of a wait and see. Um, I, again, I think there's probably sort of um, you know safer options out there at this time of year, but um, one to potentially keep an eye on. Yeah, it's certainly one who can score well, but what was it, 41 points in 58 minutes on the, the weekend, mm-hmm. his club debut. It's nothing that really screams uh, by to me. Um, yeah. They take on the Panthers, who obviously are missing their, their star halves. I was very frustrated at their last game, having snapped up uh, Matt Burton, thinking he was going to be an underpriced gun for the next four to six weeks with you know picking up all the kick meters um, from from Cleary being out, to only to see him shuffle back out into the centers with uh, utility forward Tyrone May of all people named in the number seven jersey, which um, is hardly your uh, your modern day halfback. I don't. They end up winning the game, but I wouldn't call that a rousing success. But regardless of that, Jerome Luai has since. Uh, picked up an injury and been out for a few weeks. So Burton is now definitely in the halves this week, still alongside uh, Tyrone May, who's still in the seven jersey. But anyone who either bought Burton last start or is thinking about selling him, uh, just bear in mind he's probably got 500 kick metres coming his way. Yes. Uh, after the game last week where I think uh, the week before where Burton scored five of his 19 points with the very last kick of the game for the the winning field goal, uh, I was feeling quite stuck as, a, uh, as an owner of... Um, uh, of Peachy, but uh, since then, their fortunes seem to have gone in um, very, very different ways. Uh, yes, Burton should. Um, I think I saw his lowest score in three games, deputising at half is 55. Uh, he's got, you know, um, a really sort of multifaceted game. Uh, a lot of kick metres are in his future. So um, if you've got him in your centres um, while Cleary is out of the picture, then I would be expecting some pretty handy scores from him. Anyone else for the uh, the Panthers team? There's a few guys who average okay without really being huge fantasy factors. I'd say probably Brian Toto on the wing is the um, the, the one real standout. Yeah, I'm a Toto owner. Um, he's he's been pretty handy. Um, the real value of Toto is um, you know on good games he'll get some tries and bust a lot of tackles. But he's really he's decent for 20 plus points a week in in base run meters. He gets a lot of um, runs and he, he hits the ball up a fair bit. So. That makes him just a bit of a, a different sort of kind of winger. Um, probably, you know, is it going to be a 50s kind of player now, but very serviceable for your um, your back three. As you sort of touched on before, there's the the, yeah, the forward line for the Panthers. There's a lot of guys in there who are, um, you know, really, really strong players, um, but probably just a, just a shade below that kind of I must have him in my fantasy team level. Guys like Coruscant, Fisher-Harris uh, and Isaiah Yeo. Um, Yo, exactly. you probably remember from the, the regs, he um, exploded last year from being sort of those kind of mediocre scores to being, you know, um, superb. And this year he started at a much higher base level, so he hasn't quite had that same um, value. But again, all great players, just probably not pies. 
Yeah, exactly. Second Sunday game, second half of the Suncorp Stadium at doubleheader. The Broncos hosting the West Tigers. Broncos coming off a pretty good performance uh, for a change. Uh, team-wise, I think it's the same same starting 13, couple of changes on the bench. So uh, Tom Flegler, who has found his way into the Origin team, a uh, little bit of... Um, Stephen Bradbury going on there with Fafita being suspended and Jaira rubbing himself out, but Flegler's found his way onto the uh, the Maroons bench, so he comes uh, back into the uh, the Brisbane team. Um, what do you got from a, a fantasy point of view? Yeah, I mean Haas in terms of uh, output recently, he's the main one. He's been in really really good form. Um, we probably don't need to talk about him too much more. Um, TC Rabati in the number 12 jumper has been someone who's sort of crept under a lot of our guards. It's, there's been a lot of forward rotation at the Broncos, um, much like their halves pairing. Uh, and so it has been always a bit fraught with danger to pick any of these guys up. But he seems to be the one out of three or four guys, including some of the dudes on the bench. So Ricky, Palacia, um, those kind of guys. He seems to be cementing himself in the in the starting side now, um, has quite a um you know a physical game has scored a trial too i think already so um it's probably a bit late to jump on but if you did get him just on a whim three or four weeks ago you'd probably enjoy the ride now um not a whole lot more tyson gamble is um a frustrating one for um probably a few people who um myself included sold a couple of weeks ago that was probably a bit rash um he's held the spot and there's still no sign of albert kelly back from injury but um if you got him early, he's been actually a surprisingly good moneymaker uh, despite, I think, a, a four-point score of his own in there at one point. Um, he sort of has recovered well from that. He's been posting 50s. So um, well done if you're, if you're still holding him. Tessie New is in a lot of teams at the start of the year before getting dropped for an extended period, coming off a two-try 64 against the Sharks. Is still capable of some pretty mediocre scores, even when he sort of starts at fullback and plays 80 minutes, but um, certainly has a very live wire running game, a good supporter, so a guy who can rack up scores when things go his way. Whether I'd be counselling uh, buying him now at sort of, you know, no longer base price, what almost 400K is probably a different story. 375k yeah just having a quick look um i'd be leaving him alone at that price um there's a reason why a lot of us started with him when he obviously didn't cost a trade but um yeah i think he's one who'll mix his scores a bit now but occasionally go big west tigers team uh michael mcguire a coach who has burned a lot of fantasy coaches many times over this year myself included not just going from um you know, back and forth between hookers, but um, different guys in and out of the team. I, I never had Stefano Uitukamanu, but he was sort of in and out of the starting side in the 17 when uh, people were relying on him for some uh, for some price rises. It's sort of been all over the place. They've got more changes this week. So Adam Dewey goes back into the halves. Mbai goes back to the bench. A uh, kid named Junior Paonga uh, comes into debut on in the uh, in the centres. Um, how long he holds that spot for, I'm not really sure. Probably put him as a wait and see at this point. And uh, Tukey Simpkins, who came down uh, from the Cowboys in a, a player swap at the start of the season, gets his uh, long-awaited debut on the bench. Yeah, uh, it's really Wheel of Fortune stuff with uh, with the Tigers in terms of who's going to turn up in any given week. Um, yeah, interesting to watch the um, the two debutants there you've just touched on, um, but hard to have a lot of faith in, in um, many of these guys and their, their long-term prospects. Uh, Luke Brooks is um, a guy who's probably averaged about 8 to 10 above his starting price this year, but you it's be, have to be quite a patient hold. Um, he sort of was probably a little bit higher scoring earlier in the year. Um, I, I think, you know, a lot of teams would have would have moved him on by now, even if they started with him. 
Um, I'm just sort of glancing through the names there. Um, Jacob Little back in recent weeks, uh, and he has been was sort of hooker roulette as much as anything um, with Simpkin earlier in the season. He scored quite well on the weekend, but again, just uh, looking across the 17, not a lot to get excited about. Moses and Bai is um, obviously the interchange bench, uh, and that is about it. Oh, Dane Laurie, um, he was yeah, probably was selling a month ago. But he's um, yeah. he's got the the concrete shoes on at the moment with his um, with his price. So get off yeah, if you're still on fast. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Rabbitohs and the Bulldogs wrap up the round on Sunday evening back at Seabus Super Stadium. Um, once again, all the Origin players named to uh, back up: so Latrell Mitchell, Dan Gagai, Damian Cook, and Cam Murray. Um, what are you watching out for in fantasy? Yeah, this is pretty much a triple header on the Sunday, isn't it? It's sort of like we get a uh, another magic round, um, you know, to boot, thanks COVID. But, um, yeah, look, um, always a pretty good game when these two teams go head-to-head. Um, Latrell Mitchell, you just mentioned there, um, you know, assuming everything goes well with Origin. Um, I, I know you're an owner, Chris. Uh, started the season absolutely um, gangbusters, then had that sort of um, long layoff with the suspension and then seems to have been saving his best scores for um, for Origin. Um, still, obviously, you know, a great player in his day and there's uh, every sign that he'll probably bust out some really big scores in the um, uh, in the lead-up to the, uh, the actual footy finals coming up. Uh, otherwise, Damien Cook been a bit underwhelming this year you know in the last two to three seasons prior he's been um you know kind of your must-have hooker just about or one of two or three guys you definitely want in your final 17 but um just being shaded by um a few other players this year anyone else catching your eye with the uh the rabbits not really. Keon Kolomotongi was in a lot of teams earlier in the year, but um, really just uh, still playing well, but not stringing together the attacking stats to uh, to get the fantasy scores rolling. I know a few people have jumped on uh, Adam Reynolds um, of late, just as a reliable sort of extra half who was going to play the the bye week, and um, you know with the dramas around Cleary and some other guys, uh, just a bit of a safe option. But yeah, nothing too eye catching, I don't think. Yep, they agree. take on the. Bulldogs, um, team-wise, it's pretty steady to the, uh, the the team that was much improved last start after getting um, shellacked by Manly a, a week prior. So um, Trent Barrett's shown faith in that 17. I think Ava C. I comes back from uh, suspension is the only real change uh, fantasy-wise, though I don't have a lot. Uh, probably Jake Avarillo is the, the main talking point. Yeah, and not uh, for the best reasons for his owners who um, probably enjoyed the uh, the highs, and we're probably seeing a bit of a roller coaster effect now as um, you know we, we come down from those um, epic numbers. Uh, so two thirty point scores in a row. There are reasons to be concerned. Uh, Lachlan Lewis, his new halves partner, there's been a few. Um, he does tend to hog up the kick meters a little bit, whereas previously Avarillo had been. Um, you know, kicking on just about every fifth tackle they had, so it was just adding to his. Um, Monster scores there. I still think he's probably going to be, a, you know, a reliable forty-point half. Um, but I just don't know if we're going to see too many more of those sort of 60, 70, 80 scores. Um, but it is a bit of a worry if you own Avarillo and Peachy in the halves, as I do. There's um, there's certainly alarm bells at the moment. So we'll just keep an eye on how he's going. Um, yeah. Otherwise, um, Aaron Shop is in my team. Has um, held his spot. Actually, I think had his best score of the season um, last week playing in the buy round, so handy 40-odd points from him. Uh, I would not be expecting that regularly. I think he's probably more a break glass, 25, 30-point player. Um, but I know a few people cashed out for him when he was base price. Um, he's still under 300000 but um, I, I can't really make a compelling argument to buy unless you 
desperately need a uh, a dirt cheap uh, center cover. Mm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like you said, Avril is the the talking point a bit of a concern for owners. But the thing is, if you've got him, um, you've got him as probably your starting center. And if you're going to sell him, who are you going to sell him for? I mean, there's question marks over almost everyone. Some of the you know talked about. Um, you know, a bunch of guys, you know, Peachy with the concerns over him and Jack Bird's got a suspension coming up. You know, there's, you know, Dane Gagai and Campbell Graham have got some really good scores mixed in with some really poor scores. You know, Jesse Ramian's probably one of the, the few reliable guys, but you know, there's not a whole lot of sell candidates or, or sorry, trading candidates if you're going to sell um, Avarillo. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think he's probably just one to sit on, even if he only averages sort of high 30s from here in, in your centres and loses cash. Cash isn't really the point anymore, so you might as well just sit on him. Yeah, my gut feeling is a lot of teams who are going hard in their leagues or for overall would be at 10 trades or less now. Um, some teams probably quite a lot less, maybe more like six or eight or even even fewer. So, um, you know, um, shifting centres around one for another um, is probably a pretty low priority given that um, we're going to need a handful of trades for um, the inevitable injuries and suspensions that will come. That is all uh, eight games, all 16 team lists for round 18. Before we get on to the Twitter questions, we'll go through our DoorDash dashes of the week. Who did you go for last week and who are you going for this week? Uh, last week, I went for uh, Ruben Garrick, who was subject to a bit of a downgrade. I was quite happy with his 57, but I think he ended up maybe 51 or 52, I think it was. 52, which is, again, think, yeah. raised the bat for a half century. Um, you know, uh, they... Didn't quite have things all their own way last week, Manly, but he was heavily involved and obviously kicks the goal. So um, I was happy enough with that. Who did you plump for? I went for Matt Ikevalu, who I thought might have a bit of a field day against the uh, Bulldogs. Got a very high ceiling, uh, Ikevalu. He did get a try, but it was a much closer game than I was expecting. Got 48 points, so uh, you beat me by four, but uh, a reasonably good score. Um, but, yeah, not the boomer I was expecting. Yep, um, I hope that I can restore uh, Dom's honour in uh, in these ones. Um, this week I'm going to uh, go for uh, Jamal Fogarty. We talked about before. I just wanted to make sure he was in sufficiently few teams. But um, I just had a look. He's in just over 3% of teams, which is a very low number. And, um, you know, those teams who've been enjoying those, those boomer 90 scores, hopefully there's another one uh, in the offing for his owners. I will go for uh, Adam Dewey, who is back in the uh, the halves position where he tends to score pretty heavily. He's only in 2.3% of teams. He's got the Broncos this week, so I'm expecting a bit more of a, an open game um, than, than what the Tigers have had uh, a little bit of late. So, um, yes, yeah, see how uh, Dewey goes this week. And anyway, let's get on to some Twitter questions, of which there were a few. It started off with Charlie Milner, whose question was uh, around captaincy options. He is choosing between Turbo, Haas, Angus Crichton, Isaiah Papali'i and Cherry Evans. Did you have a preference out of those five? I was going to ask anyone else. Um, <laughs> of those guys, normally my instincts is to exclude fullbacks just because their um, scoring tends to be a little bit um, more up and down than the kind of the base stats guys. But it, there's not really much of an argument to counsel against making Tom Tavojevic a captain this year. He's just... Um, yeah, I think averaging 72 at the moment, um, just thrashing out enormous numbers, particularly when um, Manly get going, which has admittedly been any game he's featured in. So um, my, my honest answer to that is probably any of those guys. Uh, maybe I'd put Haas a bit lower down the list. Um, great score last game, but has been probably more your mid-50s guy. Um, the, all those other guys mentioned, Papali, uh, Cherry Evans, Tabojevic, who was there was another Crichton. I'd say probably... I'd say Haas and Crichton probably are going to get you about 55 to 65. They're safe-ish, 
the other three guys will probably get that but could get higher. That's that's my take. Yeah, I'd be four of those five guys have to back up from Origin, um, including Turbo, who is still no guarantee to, to play. The thing with Travojevic is he plays on the Friday night, so you'll know very early in the round um, if he's playing, but you may not quite have confirmation. You've got a picky captain before the first game kicks off and he's in the second game, so you've got... Uh, Awkward one-hour window between having to lock in your captain and finding out for certain that Travojevic is uh, remaining in the team. If he does get on the field, um, playing against a, a very weakened Dragons team could suit his um, his try-scoring ability. So he could go very large if he does play, but there is a little bit of a risk around him. Um, I'd almost go for Isaiah Papali'i just due to the, mm. the three-game boomer that he's had and the fact that he's the only one of the five with no origin um, backups to, to worry about. I had him, um, I mean, not counting the, the bye week just gone, I had him as vice-captain um, in round 16 and Torhu Harris as captain. So I cost myself, was it 60-odd points by not having them the other way around. So huge regrets on not captaining Papali last start. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't strongly considering him uh, this week. Our next question was from Dylan1850, who was considering trading Tyrone Peachy to Katoni Staggs and Luke Brooks to Cameron Murray with eight trades to go. Okay, to Staggs and to Murray. Um, yeah, uh, interesting options. Um, I have yet to sort of see a reason to be bringing in Katoni Staggs. I mean, a great player, um, can get some really, really handy scores. I think Peachy... I've got my heart in my mouth this weekend, but I think he's a wait and see. Um, you know, he hasn't had a game where he's just been a 20-minute bench hooker. If you look at his, um, you know, his game log for the last few seasons, that kind of thing is very irregular. Um, and as I think you said to me before the show, Chris, it might have had something to do with um, uh, a sin bidding for um, David Fafita and a few other factors there, the yeah. fact that they were they were running um, running rampant at that point too. So I think he's a hold. I um, wouldn't say Stags is um, probably the, the obvious one to buy. If you really, if things go pear shaped again for Peachy this week, his price could start dropping. You want to keep that equity. Um, there's a handful of other guys we've mentioned earlier. You know, sort of guys like um, you know Ramy and Gagai, those kind of types who would be a better option. Um, uh, the second part of that was uh, so who was the, uh, the one Brooks brought in? to Murray was the mooted trade. Um, feels I'll let you answer that feels a little bit sideways even though obviously we're talking about a different position yeah on the first one Stags he looks really good winding up on the right edge but he still only finished up with I think it was 43 points I think he spent a little bit of time off injured as well um, I'd probably want a little bit more of a look at him before I jumped on uh, yeah I agree Brooks to Murray's probably sideways Murray's come good of late there was a try in there in the last game or two so a slightly elevated in terms of his rolling three game average um, and Brooks has been pretty steady this year so yeah a little bit too sideways on the second one for mine uh, Tyrone debased God is back uh, he is thinking um, potentially Andrew McCulloch or Jaden Braley could be trade-outs. Um, are they sells? And if so, who would you sell first? I think the big question really with those is, do, do you have both? If you do have both, um, then you want to make sure you've got someone else who can deputise it uh, at hooker. I think it's really important you have cover at this stage of the year and it's someone who's you know going to score right. Um, I mean, for me, the answer is neither, but um, I think they're, they're both... I think the thing with Braley is he just started the year, you know, those first six to eight rounds in such um, unstoppable fashion. It was probably never sustainable, you know. Um, I think that he was averaging, he was the highest averaging player for the first handful of rounds and has slowly come down from an average in the 70s to the 60s to probably, I'm guessing, about the mid-50s now, about the number in front of me. Um, I, I can't see a massive argument for selling um, 
for selling either of them unless you've got a lot of depth. Maybe um, maybe Braley, uh, if you if you had to pick pick a favourite to go. Um, it's also, I guess, a question. His his price has come down. I think about 150 or more, 150 more grand from his um, his ceiling. So it is sort of demoralising watching that money kind of just disappear week after week with indifferent scores. So maybe he would be the the first to go. But um, as I said, make sure you've got cover and don't leave yourself with um with one gun hooker. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And if I was determined to sell one of the two for an upgrade somewhere else, it would be Braley, but ideally probably try and hold both. Uh, Matt writes in, he's looking at trading Nico Hines and Jake Avarillo to uh, David Fafita and Payne Haas. That's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think Fafita, if you don't have any in your team now, you're probably asking why not. Um, he's been, you know, one of the season's best. Very expensive now, but I guess he started quite XE as well. I think you want to get Fafita into your team um, pretty much by hook or by crook. Um, Haas is still a bit cheaper than Fafita. He's not as urgent. Um, he's in good form at the moment, but obviously you'll have to get through uh, Origin as well. I think you probably want both those guys into your team, to be honest. Um, how you make it happen is, is up to you. Yeah, I wouldn't say either of Hines or Avrilo are necessarily a sell at the moment, but those are two of the probably the real primos for the the run home. If you can get them a different way, then maybe look at that. But um, they they are yeah. upgrade trades anyway. Uh, Johnny Leary is back. Uh, he can straight swap Torhu Harris for Isaiah Papali'i or flick Tom Flegler and Jack Hetherington for Cam Murray with a base price player. Um, or option C is flicking Tom Flegler for Victor Radley. Um, and fourth and final question was, is, is Isaiah Papali'i a must-have? Um, okay, can we we'll, we'll take them list? one at a time? Yeah, we'll take them one at a time. If we jump straight to the fourth question, I would say uh, on current form, yes, um, Isaiah Papali'i is a must-have. Um, I think probably most would agree with that. If we want to ping back to question one, sorry, Chris, that's um, escaped me. Yeah, I was thinking about flicking Torhu for Papali'i, as we discussed in the uh, the team's rundown, Torhu being in the reserves, I think is ideally a hold, given he could potentially be back soon. Um, yeah. Option B was flicking Tom Flegler and Jack Hetherington for Cam Murray in a base price player. I don't mind that. Flegler and Hetherington can both go, and probably the sooner the better. Cam Murray, like I said, maybe slightly elevated in his scoring recently, but he's been a consistent fantasy scorer in the past and should be pretty good for the run home. Obviously, backing up from Origin this week is always a little bit of a question mark, but should be good after that. Um, and the other player mentioned there was Victor Radley, who... Um, has never really been a fantasy guy in the past. He's very, he's quite eye-catching when he's on the field because he whacks blokes with big hits and he does nice little, you know, bits of passing and, and offloads and, and creates a bit of, um, you know, attacking football. But it's never really converted to, to fantasy scores. He's someone I'd probably rather stay away from in fantasy terms. Yeah, uh, Radley's an avoid for me. Um, I think you've, um, you've pretty much summed it up, to be honest, on the other ones. We have Shane Rima who writes in um, playing head-to-head this week. He has an opponent who has Isaiah Papali'i. Neither player has Fafida. Looking at trading uh, trading Moses Mbai to one of those two, so Papali'i or Fafida, or can trade Moses Mbai and Josh Curran to both Papali'i and Fafida, which I assume you're sitting on a bit of a bank. And for me, just do both of those trades because Curran's on the bench and uh, Mbai is an urgent sell. And those are the two <laughs> the main targets for the run home. Yeah, I was going to say this uh, sounds like um, Jeff Bezos um, because there's about a, a half, million, half million bucks uh, gap between guys like Mbai and um, uh, and Papali. So um, obviously you've got a fair bit of cash squirreled away in the war chest. Um, yeah, I mean, the, both those guys, there's going to be a few Fafita free teams out here. And um, 
I, I think you just you want to get them in. Um, if you've got the money, then the two guys you mentioned selling are not um, they're not keepers by any means. So pull the trigger. Jamie Tuttiet writes in Marnie Cook or Macca, which I'm going to assume is McCulloch. If you're going to buy one of those three, um, uh, I wouldn't be buying McCulloch now. Uh, I think he's he's a keep if you've got him. Uh, Cook, as we mentioned before, is just uh, he's still a good player. Still, I think averaging last time I checked 58 or 59, so that's putting him sort of right up there. I think if you, if we're not talking players in the centre, I think with the speed of the game and a few of the um, the new metrics this year, including the turnovers, I think 60 has kind of become the new 50 for your super primo benchmark. Um, I think you can pretty much fill your team with 15 guys outside your centres um, who are going to average around that 60 mark or maybe, you know, the high 50. So someone like Cook is probably on the periphery. You might be able to find better options. Um, and who was our first one? So, oh, and um, Armahoney, yeah. I, I started the season, I got him very early in the year to be different um, and he was fantastic for a while then sort of dropped off, had an injury or two and then he's had his longer term injury. Um, yeah, I think he's an interesting point of difference. I think Para have quite a lot of points in them and he, he has a tendency to get involved. Um, he's quite handy on the try assists, makes good tackle counts. I, I would say probably he's the most appealing option out of the three of those guys, closely followed by Cook. Yeah, no, I'd probably lean to Marnie as well. Like you said, he can sort of score on both sides of the ball, big tackle counts, but then can do a bit w- with the ball as well. He's got a few try assists for those crash balls at the line. He got a good kick out of dummy half and gets the occasional 40-20 as well. Uh, last question before we wrap it up is from Pups, who's back. He says, time for some Pups magic as we get down to the business end of the season. Uh, is it time to trade out Matt Burton for the below-the-radar Mitchell Pierce? Ooh, trade out Matt Burton. Um, I think yeah, possibly I stung think so. by a bit of... Yeah, stung by a bit of uh, coaching chicanery last week, I think, which hurt a few people. But with um, with both the Penrith halves on ice for at least a few weeks, I'd say it's actually a great time to be buying Matt Burton almost, um, especially if you uh, still need a, a gun centre. Although, bear in mind, he come finals time, he probably will uh, move back to the centre position, but still scores quite well there. So he's more of a buy than a sell, I think. Um, what do you Certainly reckon? a hold, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, uh, I'd certainly not be selling Matt Burton uh, for probably anyone this week, but uh, uh, to Mitch Pierce is, if not sideways, almost backwards. Um, yeah, yeah that's that the, is all the time we have for this week, all 16 games. Thanks once again, uh, Rich, for subbing in. For Don Brock, thanks to everyone for listening and writing in. Thanks again to our sponsors, uh, DoorDash. Enjoy Origin on Wednesday night. Enjoy our uh, proxy magic round from Queensland on the weekend. We'll be back next week to talk some more teams. <laughs> <laughs>